Welcome to THN on the O. It is the Hockey News Podcast about the Ontario Hockey League brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy, joined as always by Tony Ferrari and joined today by special uh, guest Sam Dickinson of the London Knights. Uh, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Right on. And uh, so far, so good this season for the Knights. How have you felt about how you and your team have performed so far? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good start for us. You know, we'd obviously like to – we've had a little bit of bumps in the road, but for the most part, you know, we can't complain with how we've been playing. It's just early in the year, so we're still working uh, a couple things out, but uh, we're really excited for how this year's going to go. Now, obviously, not everyone that's – they will have seen your game. So can you describe your game a little bit to us for anyone that hasn't seen it? Yeah, for sure. I think that I'm, uh, I'm a big mobile two-way defenseman who, uh, you know, in the offensive and defensive zones is uh, very capable and, and makes plays offensively and, uh, and defensively, you know, takes care of business back there. Now, mm-hmm. what is one thing you've been working on early in this season just to kind of boost your game even, even higher than a level that you were at last year and even early this season? I think the first thing that I've been working on is uh, is offensive uh, offensive instincts and making plays on the line. I think uh, you know being more offensive was something that I wanted to work on heading into this year. You know, it was something that I think if I uh, started to develop that, it'd separate me from uh, from other guys. Now you had a a massive save uh, this week, pulling the puck off the goal line with the uh, the game tied at two halfway through the third. How great a feeling is that knowing that it ended up, ended up being a big moment in a night's win. Or was it just terrifying seeing the puck there? <laughs> yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it after as, uh, as a team, and it was kind of just one of those plays where it's just, you know, I happened to be in the spot and make the play there. But, you know, uh, yeah, it it's obviously ends up being a pretty big play for us. So I think, um, you know, when you look back at it, it's kind of cool, you know, kind of pulling a puck off the line like that. But, uh, you know, in the end, it was just, you know, a play that I had to make. And, and you know, luckily I got a stick on it and got it out of there. Now, you've played in the OHL for a couple of years now. You've played up, up against a bunch of really, really good players. Who's the guy that's challenged you the most playing up against them in the OHL? Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys. The OHL is, uh, you know, really, a really, really strong league. And I think, you know, last year there were a lot of guys, and, you know, this year as well. But when I think back to last year, you know, guys like uh, Matt Maggio, uh, Sasha Pastajov, you know, guys like that kind of come to mind, you know, are guys that are exceptional players. And, you know, you see where they are now. And I think, you know, being able to play against them as a 16-year-old, you know, boosted myself and, and, you know, showed me that where I have to be in a couple of years as a player if I want to move on to the next level. Now, the under-17s are coming up. You were there last year uh, playing for one of the Canadian squads. And, you know, I'm curious because I know I've talked to players in the past where that tournament seems to be a really good confidence booster where you get a lot of players in their first year in the OHL you know, they're playing against older competition, but then they they go to the U-17s. They're playing back against their peer group. And a lot of them take momentum from that tournament. What was your experience like? Yeah, I had a great experience at the tournament. You know, being fortunate enough to wear captain for my team was an absolute honor. But like you said, you know, it's it's different going from playing guys, you know, three, four years older than you to coming back to guys your own age. So uh, it's definitely a bit of a change of pace. You realize after the first game is that, you know, you've got a little bit more freedom as well. Because, you know, obviously, you know, compared to some of the other guys, you you got a little bit more confidence going up against guys your own age. But it's something that, uh, for me, you realize that you can't kind of read into that too much. And 
and you got to realize that uh, you know you're going to be back playing against older guys in, in two weeks. So you can't change your game too much. You got to kind of stick with what you know and and be the same player. You know, uh, you can't kind of start to do too much and and bring some habits that uh, aren't going to work back to the OHL. But like you said, it's an absolutely unbelievable experience, and uh, you know all the guys who are there this year. You know, you just got to kind of soak it up and and have a lot of fun. Nice. And you've played for Canada a couple of times already in your career internationally. What does it mean to get that experience uh, where obviously you get to represent your country, but, but also you're, you're playing different competition and you're, you're playing in different situations and, and venues, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that kind of especially got the, the sense of that over in the summer and uh in Slovakia there for the, the Holinka Gretzky cup. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's a lot different, you know, you're going up, you're playing guys your age and, and obviously it's a different kind of a game style of playing over in Europe. You're playing against a lot of guys who kind of, you never really get the chance to play other than in those international tournaments. So it's a lot of fun. And, and I had a ton of fun being there and, and it's an absolute honor always every time you get to, to put on the Maple Leaf and, and wear team Canada, because everybody knows that uh, Canada and those tournaments is the team to beat. Yeah. Now, Tony, I'm going to switch up my last question here in, in this segment because something just struck me. I know talking to guys who played for Canada back in the day, sometimes food was an issue. Uh, I remember one guy telling me, you know, he was at the World Juniors and I think it was in Finland and they were served fish like eight out of 11 days. I know I, I feel like Canada and some other countries have probably switched that up in recent years. You know, going over to play in Europe, in Slovakia, did Canada have kind of like uh, like a set menu or chefs or did they have directives where they had the food set out for you guys that was sort of more to your liking or more to your familiarity? Uh, yeah, for us, it was uh, it was a little interesting. Like, you know, being in Europe, we got kind of a taste of that European food. Um, like our, uh, our camp the first week was over in Hungary. So uh, we kind of got a taste of, of that kind of food. But obviously, they always had uh, a sad little stand just for us. That was kind of... Uh, you know, what some guys who maybe are a little more picky, uh, just kind of, you know, some some typical Canadian American food that you're getting over here. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys kind of took advantage of, of getting the food over there and kind of trying that out. And uh, I know a lot of guys really enjoyed it. But, yeah, the food was really good over there. Nice. Now, I have to ask, because you brought up, it's a, there are there is food for some of the guys who are a little bit more picky. Who is the pickiest guy on that Halinka team? Call him out right now. Uh, you know what? Off the top of my head, I can't really think. I think for the most part, a lot of guys were kind of picking a little bit of everything. But um, there were a couple guys with allergies, maybe, who kind of mm. were forced to be a little more picky. But for the That's most part, fair. guys were kind of were kind of picking and choosing with everything and getting a bit of uh, a bit of everything over there. Well, that Helen Kukoreski Cup tournament, it kind of kicks off your draft year, and this is your draft year. It's a big year for you developmentally. It's a big year for you on a lot of things. How much do you actually pay attention to draft coverage? I know some guys pay no attention and some guys are right into it, but they won't uh, won't, won't quite divulge how into it they are. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a lie if you say you never look at it. You know, guys kind of, or for me, I kind of get, uh, you know, some stuff that comes up when I'm just kind of scrolling through, you know, whatever I'm looking at. And, and you know, you obviously kind of take a look at it and, and read a little bit into it. But for the most part, you know, you read it and then you kind of just got to forget about it. Um, it's kind of one of those things where, where you know, it's it's cool for – for guys to look at it and, and see, you know, you're ranked as an NHL prospect, which is pretty awesome. But it's one of those things where you can't read into it too much and you just kind of got to play your game and, and let uh, let other people decide where you fall and, and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, it's up to you to, to perform. Now let's get to you away from the game of hockey a little bit. 
what kind of music are you into and, and how much control do you have of the auxiliary cord in the locker room? Uh, for me, I'm kind of all over the place. I'll listen to almost anything. Kind of wake up in the morning and just see what I'm kind of feeling for, for in the car. But in the room, I almost never t- touch the aux. You know, I leave <laughs> it to the other guys for the most part. But uh, my kind of music is uh, I'll listen to almost anything as long as it's good. Who runs the uh, the iPod in the room? Uh, we've got a couple guys who kind of rotate through it. Like uh, for the most part, it's uh, Denver Barkey and, and Alec Leonard. They'll kind of get on the ox the most and they're kind of the, the music guys. But, you know, every once in a while you get new guys hopping on it and, and putting in their music. But for the most part, as a team, we kind of – we listen to a lot of different music. So it's kind of – you get a little bit of everything in the dressing room. Right on. And when you're not at the rink – what do you like to do to, to unwind? What, what hobbies do you have? Probably more so in the summer, I would assume. But what do you like to get up to when you're not playing hockey? Uh, I think in the summer, especially, like, like I think most hockey players will say, is, uh, you know, I like to golf. I have fun uh, golfing with friends in the summer. And uh, in the summer, I spend a lot of time in my cottage. So I end up uh, being on a boat a lot and on the water. So I enjoy a lot of water sports and, and stuff like that. So I'd say when I'm not at the rink, especially in the summer, it's a lot of uh, – a lot of golf and, and water sports being on a boat. And then in season, it's kind of just hanging out with the guys, you know, that's important to get close as a team. So uh, when we get the chance, we kind of take advantage of that. And, and on our team, especially we're, we're really close and we hang out a lot together. Excellent. Well, Sam, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we really appreciate your time and good luck the rest of the season. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. That was Sam Dickinson of the London Knights, a.k.a. Samuel L. Dickinson. I'm just kidding. I have no idea what his middle name is. But, uh, Tony, I mean, this is a prospect that you and I have already been watching for a couple of years now. I think he could be maybe like the next Jacob Chikrin or somebody of that ilk. I also think at this point he's probably the first OHLer off the board uh, in the 2024 NHL draft. So, uh Bright future, obviously, ahead with this young man. Yeah, Sam Dickinson's been really fun to watch the last couple of years and see, seeing the growth. And he mentioned it himself where he wanted to be a bit more offensive this year and work on that side of his game. And you're seeing that come. It, it's been really fun to watch a guy who did come in and was so mature defensively bring that offensive flair to the game finally this year and really take, take a big step, I think. Certainly. And I, I think that's a big part of his appeal for me is – the stuff that you usually need to teach defensemen, he's already great at. And yeah. then to see him putting up points at the rate he has already this season, that's just like the cherry on top. Yeah, it's, it's almost that Owen Power, Jake Sanderson type of mold defenseman where he's got so many of the physical tools and the fundamentals down. You're just working on seeing what else you can get out of him, really. So it's a really it's a player that has a really safe floor, and you're just trying to see exactly how high you can push that ceiling. And he's been fantastic to start the year, like you said. Probably the first OHLer off the board, and pro- in my opinion, maybe the first defenseman. Even it's going to be really interesting to see if he can kind of take that crown by the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. I would say you know probably at this point his his biggest competition is Artem Lashunov uh, from Michigan State University. That'll be a very interesting compare and contrast since you have OHL versus NCAA. So yeah. that'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, speaking of defensemen. Let's get to our OHL three stars of the week. Number one is uh, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Kirill Kudrasiev, defenseman for the Sioux Greyhounds, uh, six points in three games. He's a Vancouver Canucks prospect. And, Tony, I remember during his draft year just talking to scouts around the league 
some are saying, you know what, like this guy's got some Rasmus Sandin in his game. Like, you know, he's not huge, but he can do a lot out there. And of course, Rasmus Sandin played for the Sioux Greyhounds as well. I thought it was a steal that the Canucks got him late in the draft. And this year it's really paying off because he has elevated his game even more so than it was last year. Yeah, we've talked about it in the podcast a few times this year that the back end of that Sioux Greyhounds team is is an absolute wagon. Kudrasiev is a big contributor on the back end there. He had the overtime uh, winner the other day against Flint. He had six points on the, the weekend. It's, it's fun to see this kind of Sioux Greyhounds back end take turns as to who the lead dog is because when you get to playoff time, you're going to have three guys maybe that are all really, really highly talented defensemen on that back end. So it's going to be fun to watch how good that Sioux Greyhounds team is in the playoffs. And as the season progresses, which one of those guys takes that lead role? Because right now you've got a few guys going back there that anytime they're on the ice, you've got a reliable player at both ends of the ice. And Kudrasiev just kind of took the show this, this weekend. Like I said, he had three points in the game against Flint, including the overtime winner. Not much more you can ask from a defenseman than that. Indeed. And you make a really good point about the playoffs because, you know, during the season, obviously, you know, guys get energy at different times. But, you know, after you play the whole regular season, you know, the playoffs, even though these are young kids, you know, a, a solid defense core where you can have top guys out there for most of the game can be a real advantage when, you know, you're getting to that really hard part of the season where everyone's tired, everybody's fighting bumps and bruises. So, it will be interesting to see what the Sioux Greyhounds can do, given that they have that depth on the back end. Uh, go to the second star now. This, To me, this is a real cool story. Sam Hillebrandt, goaltender for the Barry Colts. Uh, he had himself a great week. 67 saves on 69 shots. That's good for a 971 save percentage, two wins. Tony, this kid was playing Junior C last year for the Stainer Siskins. Uh, played a couple of games at the Colts, but for the most part, uh, he was playing Junior C. Now here he is, second star of the week. Uh, what do you think about Sam Hillebrand? He had a fantastic weekend. I mean, anytime you can go in there and have 34 saves on 35 shots against the first place Mississauga Steelheads, who we've talked about so many times in this podcast already, it's a big game. And, and then to go back and have 33 saves on the next night, it, it's one of those performances over a weekend where you look at him and you go, all right, how much more run are we going to give this kid in net? Because like you said, he's playing junior C last year. You don't really know what to expect from him. But when he comes out with a weekend like this, how much do you have to give him at this point, right? You got to kind of ride with the hot hand in net, especially when he's performed as well as he has against good competition. So fantastic weekend for him. Anytime you can put up a 971 save percentage, 67 saves on 69 shots. It's a good weekend. And in, in coming away with two wins is big for Barry. And they tie up their record or they get to 500 on the record, six and six on the year. It's big for them. I think this is going to be an interesting year for them. And, and a guy like Hildebrand could be kind of the difference maker for them if they want to compete. Yeah. Always good to have options at different positions. And you're right. I mean, the Colts already very intriguing on paper. So we'll see what happens there. Our third star, Braden Kressler, the veteran from the Flint Firebirds. Uh, six points in three games for him. Tony, just. You know, Kressler and his impact, what do you think he's been able to do for the Firebirds so far? This has been a kid that I've, I've really liked personally for the last few years, even going back to his draft year where he went undrafted, eventually signed an ELC with the Leafs, and he's now a Toronto Maple Leafs prospect. But 
this has been a kid that's always played with fire, always played with energy, and you've started to see the maturity in his game come along a little bit. And I think that's been the big, biggest thing in the OHL last year and this year is you're starting to see him really come into his own offensively as well. The energy was always there. He never he never cheated you for a, a shift here or there or, or took a shift off. He was always out there giving 100% effort at both ends of the ice. And, and just the maturity and the physical strength is coming along. He's never been the biggest player, and he certainly still isn't. But he's starting to understand how to leverage his body, how to how to get under defenders when they're a little bit bigger than him, a little bit stronger than him, and, and just work the little veteran moves and the veteran savvy things that we've seen from guys in their age twenty season in the years past. And he started to do that this year. Three goals and three assists in in, in three games for the weekend. It's tough when you're playing on a Flint team that doesn't have the talent around you, and you kind of have to do a little bit of everything yourself. But Braden Kressler's certainly been able to do that so far this year. Right on. And let me give an honorable mention to somebody that surprisingly we haven't really talked about yet on the podcast, even though he is leading the OHL in scoring. And Tony, I think it's because you don't want to say his last name, but Hunter Berstavich uh, yes. of the Kitchener Rangers, 25 points in 13 games. So fantastic. There. I'm sure we'll talk about him in the future. Uh, but you want to give a shout out to Berstavich uh, because he is having a fantastic year. Let's get to news now. And I think this is a very interesting topic. So. Dale Hunter, Sam Dickinson, coach with the London Knights, got his 908th victory recently, making him the second winningest coach in OHL history. He passes Burt Templeton. The only coach with more is now the legend, Brian Killer Kilray. From what I can glean, and math is not my strong suit, but if Dale Hunter were to pass Kilray's record, he'd need to coach for about seven more years of like high-end London Knights hockey, like them winning about 40 games, maybe even 45 per year. I think it would take at least seven years for him to break the OHL record. So my question to you is, do we think Dale Hunter goes for the record and gets the record? Because, you know, I think he's 63 years old uh, right now. Um do we think that Dale Hunter could get the record based on how long he'll coach? You know what? It's going to be interesting. It's almost like the Ovechkin conversation is whether he'd catch Gretzky a few years ago. And everyone a few years ago was saying, no, he's not going to do it. He's not going to last long enough. And I think at the end of the day, coaching is a little bit easier to be long, uh, easier to extend your longevity than being a goal scorer. And we've seen Ovechkin get to this point where now almost everyone feels like it's inevitable maybe three, four years from now, we start to feel the same way with Dale Hunter and whether or not it's inevitable that he passes Kilray. It's really fun to see. Anytime you see a big record like this go down and and a guy start to climb up the leaderboards like this, it's fun to see. And it's not shocking at all that it's one of the Hunter brothers in, in London that are setting a record like this. So it, it's outstanding. And uh, it helps that Sam Dickinson pulled the goal off the goal line in the third period on, on Friday to get him that win. It was a big win, an overtime victory, and I'm sure it was really special beating a team like the Ottawa 67s as well. Indeed. For me, I think if he wants the record, it's it's basically his because, yeah. as you mentioned, it's the London Knights, so they don't have the typical cycle of most OHL teams. Like The way London operates, they're so good at drafting. They're so, so good at recruiting from – whether it's the U.S. or making sure that their import picks show up uh, in general, you know, because 
that's something. It's, it's not a given. Just because you draft a player from Europe doesn't mean he, he has to come over. Uh, you know, Casper Haltunen uh, being obviously uh, the latest, uh, the San Jose Sharks pick. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, Hunter and uh, and his brother, they've built such a great program there where every year the young kids get more responsibility as the older kids go off to pro or wherever they, you know, whatever they do. There's always a pretty consistent amount of NHL prospects. Sometimes, you know, in some years they're higher than others, but, you know, there, there's always talent there. You look at Easton Cowan uh, coming back from, uh, from Leafs camp this year. You know, that's sort of the latest example. You know, guys like Oliver Bonk, um, you know, Denver Barkey, uh, you know, who uh, Sam Dickinson mentioned there. So it's just – it's kind of perpetual where – you know, you can't pencil them in for 45 wins every year. But if there was any team that I would be confident saying, well, they're not going to have an off year, it's the London Knights. So to me, it's like if Dale Hunter wants to coach for another seven, eight years, then and, and hey, maybe maybe it takes nine years, whatever. Um, it, it's possible, you know, so it's like yeah. as long as he wants to keep coaching, it's really just a matter of math at this at, at that point. Yeah, and you mentioned the ways that they recruit. And, and you even just look at the Sam Dickinson situation. He was a guy that was drafted fourth overall, the first defenseman off the board a couple of years ago in the OHL draft. And it was by the Niagara Ice Dogs. It wasn't a London Knights draft pick. But they've become such a destination that when players go get drafted to an organization like the Ice Dogs, who whether or not they're going through turmoil at the time like the Ice Dogs were, or it's just not a good situation for the player, they almost forced trades to the bigger markets such as London. And London's always been in a market that does that. And like you said, the American kids as well, they're more than happy to draft a kid, let them play the year or two at the NDDP, NTDP, and then come over for your 18, 19-year-old season and make the impact on the OHL then as well. It's so fun to watch this London Knights team just continuously churn out massive rosters. As a, as a kid from Windsor, it was always tough to watch them absolutely destroy the Spitfires almost every year, it seemed. But man, like like you said, if if he wants this record, it's really just about whether or not he wants to last because they're going to have competitive rosters for pretty much ever. <laughs> Indeed, and for those uh, for those youngins out there, let me point out that before the Hunter brothers got to London, the Knights were a disaster. Like they had mm. one of the worst, if not the worst, junior hockey teams of all time. Uh, so it's, it's not just the, the geography. It's not just that kids want to play in London specifically. It's the program that the Hunters yeah. built there. So good on them for making things really pro there. And um, with our headlines, we're going to stay with coaching. Troy Mann recently appointed as the new head coach of the King Kingston Frontenacs. We mentioned that quickly last week because it was kind of breaking news. Uh, and then he was immediately suspended two games after his first game, which was a win, uh, because one of his players, Maddox Callens, left the bench uh, to engage in a fight following Kingston's game against Oshawa. So tough break for Troy Mann there. Uh, I'm sure Maddox Callens feels a bit bad about that, but uh, a new dawn in Kingston, Tony. Yeah, it was a weird situation because I watched that game just specifically because it was Troy Mann's first game as the, the front's head coach. And I'm like, oh, look at this. Good win at the end. It was a 4-3 three, win for the for the Frontenacs. And then you kind of saw one of the Oshawa players take a shot after the whistle. And as players were starting to filter off the bench, that's when things started to go down. And suspensions happened. And 
Uh, Troy Mann didn't have the ch- opportunity to get his second win of the, of the season as the Frontenacs coach uh, over the weekend, but he'll be back by the, this weekend and uh, hopefully getting the second win there. Weird situation, kind of a goofy after the whistle situation. We've had a couple of those this year, so uh, maybe something to track in the OHL because, uh, yeah, these after the whistle, after the game fights, they're, they're becoming a little bit of a trend this year. Yeah, very uh, tough situation there. And those things can get out of hand real quick, uh, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. So let's move on to our NHL team prospect pipeline of the week. We are looking at the Florida Panthers, uh, and there are a couple of players to delve into now. The first being Latvian import Sandis Vilmanis of the Sardinia Sting. Uh, left winger 16 points in 13 games. And uh, Tony, if I'm not mistaken, he'll be a pretty crucial part of Latvia's world junior team this year. Yeah, he'll be an important member there. And I think he's going to be a guy that we're going to be hearing OHL news about around that time as well. Every year at the world juniors, uh, the OHL trade deadline starts to kind of bubble around right around that time. And we see guys get traded right right when they get back or right kind of as they're finishing up the tournament. And Sandusville Manis could definitely be one of those guys this year that a contender targets to try to bolster their roster going forward for the rest of the OHL season and into the playoffs because Sarnia's kind of in this, this rebuild mode now. They're starting to figure out how to – they need to replenish some of the cupboards that they have. And Sandusville Manis is a, a good player who's producing on a bad team, especially as a playmaker. And that's the interesting thing is – if he's able to kind of put up the 13 assists that he's had so far this year uh, to this point, what's he going to be able to do if he does get on a team with a bit more firepower, a bit more finishing ability, and he's not asked to do as much. I think we talked about it uh, with the front or with the, the starting sting at the start of the year when we did the uh, team previews. This team's going to be relying a lot on Sandusville Manis offensively. And at the end of the day, I think he's probably a big trade target for the other teams in the OHL looking to compete a little bit more. So, He's a pretty good NHL prospect. He's a guy that I think will play a couple years in the AHL before he really starts to break in. But he's a shifty player. And like you said, at the World Juniors, he always seems to step his game up. And and that's where he really stuck out to me a couple years ago when we first saw him. Right on. And then uh, Florida also in that same 2022 draft. And these were, I should note, both these players were late round picks. Uh, so very interesting there. They also have Liam Arnsby of the North Bay Battalion, uh, a center who... Very intriguing to me. I remember he played on that juggernaut Don Mills Flyers yeah. team with Shane Wright, Brant Clark, Brennan Othman, Roman Schmidt, um, you know, a ton of guys. And, you know, they ended up winning the OHL Cup uh, over Adam Fantilli and Luca Del Bell Blues and the Toronto Red Wings. One of the best games I've ever seen live, uh, to be frank. Uh, but Liam Arnsby, uh, you know, a leader, kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. Uh, what do you see in him, Tony? Like you said, a, a jack-of-all-trades, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's been the captain for three years now in North Bay. He's a good player who just kind of does the little things right. He's not ever going to be a, a big offensive producer, a guy that blows the, the stat line out of the water, but He's a guy that does the little things, plays in your bottom six, understands the role he's able to play. And then kind of when you need that clutch goal, when when the game's on the line, he somehow finds a way to produce some offense. And it's usually not the prettiest goal. It's usually not the prettiest assist. But he's, he's a guy that will make the diving poke check that springs a teammate up the ice or, or, or goes to the net and takes a puck off the chest that bounces in. And he does those little things. And I think that's the kind of value that he brings. 
is he a really good AHL player eventually? I think that that could be a route for him. The NHL is going to be interesting because it's going to be, can he get his pace up? Can he get the, the mobility concerns that he has a little bit now to the level of the NHL? And, and I think that's going to be the big thing because he's already going to be at a skill skills disadvantage. Can he be at a, uh, a mobility disadvantage too? If he's not going to be a guy that's really able to kind of put in that full effort all the time, like he's, he's done at the OHL level. Right on. Yeah. So him and Phil Manis, they might be AHL teammates for a couple of years before one of them, uh, goes for it but that's the florida panthers pipeline for you uh we're going to finish up with some draft talk as nhl central scouting bureau released their preliminary players to watch list and obviously the ohl is always well represented I, i'll point out right away new rating system yeah for central scouting it used to be abc and then limited viewing which was basically a guy's been hurt and they haven't seen him now there's a W. Uh, I assume because they didn't want to rate, rate a player D. Uh, but W is now kind of like sixth, seventh round. Uh, so C is kind of the middle to late rounds where A is first round, B is second or third. Uh, for A grades from the OHL, we have Sam Dickinson, who was obviously our guest today. You have Liam Greentree from Windsor, Henry Muse from Ottawa, Zane Parekh from Saginaw and Bennett Seneke from Oshawa. Uh, and then the only two B-rated goalies were from the OHL. Uh, Carter George, who's uh, really starting to take hold in Owen Sound, and Ryerson Leanders, who we've obviously talked about a couple of times already in the podcast, having an awesome year with Mississauga. So, Tony, uh, just in terms of a couple of questions in terms of what we've seen so far from the watch list, who in the OHL could you see elevating themselves to an A grade for the next time these rankings come out middle of the season? It's going to be interesting. I think there's a few players, but the guy that sticks out to me is Luke Misa. He's a guy that's been on the tear. He leads all OHLers in, go in scoring right now for in the OHL uh, among draft eligibles. And he plays with so many layers to his game. And I think that's the thing I love about his game when I watch him is he doesn't have the most speed. He doesn't have the most skill. He doesn't have the best shot, um, but he seems to be able to kind of stack skill on top of each other. And He'll use his speed to get to the outside and then use his hands to kind of cut back to the middle once he gets by a defender. And, and he always seems to make the right play. He plays a really smart defensive game as well. And I think that's the big thing for him is he always does the right thing. And I think that's what NHL teams look for a lot of times is seeing a guy take that process from one end of the ice to the other and apply it throughout. And, and that's what he excels at. Is he going to be the best goal scorer in this draft from the OHL? Is he going to be the best uh, defensive forward? Is he going to be the best at anything? Maybe not, but he might be the most complete player from the, from the forward group, at least. Excellent. For me, I'm going to go with Cole Bowden from uh, the Barry Colts. This is obviously someone that was on our radar before the season began. And he's a B rate, a B rating right now, but I think he could be an A rating because he got off to a tough start, no points in his first five games for the Colts this season. But now he's got six goals and eight points in 12 games total. So he's starting to ramp it up, starting to get his confidence. And, you know, we've already been talking about Barry. They, they have the talent to do some damage this year, at least be a pretty good team uh, in the East. So he's going to get plenty of opportunity. And, you know, you look, he's a center. He's six foot two, 206 pounds already. So that's the kind of thing NHL teams look for. And obviously, he can put the puck in the net. He's getting a lot more comfortable there. Uh, he's almost halfway already to his point totals as a rookie, 20 points as a rookie. And 
in general, you know, we don't expect a lot from uh, from young players in their first OHL season. But just to give you an idea of where Bodin is already, uh, he's almost halfway there. So impressive there. And I think based on, you know, the physical package and the offensive skill, I think he'll be somebody that comes into band. And if he can keep up this pace, to me, I, I definitely think an NHL team would uh, – take a pick on him sort of mid to late first round. Um, and then let's go to surprises from an OHL perspective. And I, I, you know, we talked about guys we think that could elevate their game uh, and get that a, but who's a player that you thought would be rated higher than they were. I thought Jacob Fibber was a guy that would be a little bit higher than what he is. He's a, he's a C rated guy. So it's not like he's on that, that W ranking or anything as a, a late, late round guy, but he's a guy that I think a lot of people have been talking about. I've talked to OHL scouts. I've talked to NHL scouts about him a little bit and, and everyone seems to like his game. So when I saw him as a C rated guy, which, which kind of designates him as a fourth, fifth round guy, it was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe people aren't as high on him as I as I thought. At least not central scouting. So he's going to be a guy that I'm, I'm kind of going to keep an eye on just to see if he can get to that B rating. I don't think he's going to get to an A, but I think he could be a, a second or third round prospect if if a team likes him enough. Yeah, and I mean internationally, he had a great summer. So I I get where you're coming from. It felt like that was a player that was kind of coming into the league with a bit more juice. He might not have been yeah. the biggest name amongst imports, but, you know, really solid. So, uh, yeah, I hear you there. For me, I'm going to go with Zach Bowen, the goaltender for the Peterborough Peets. He is a W, uh, according to Central Scouting. And, you know, I mean, it's early, fair enough. And uh, I think he's only played three games, but he's won all of them. And he comes in at almost six foot three. And if anybody has listened to me on any podcast, you know, I loves me, the taller goaltenders. It is my number one bias as an evaluator. Uh, so if you are, you know, six two, six foot three, uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on you as a goaltending prospect because it is such a hard position to forecast for scouts. So much can ha happen over the years, but you can't teach tall. And I think Bowen, he's got great size. You know, he had an amazing record last year, albeit on what was an, an incredible Pete's team, but. For me, in a year where there aren't any obvious goaltenders, and we did mention, you know, no A-rating goalies uh, at all, I'm a little surprised the Bones that far down there. Uh, but, hey, we shall see, uh, you know, how many starts he gets this year and if he can continue to have the success he's had already. But for me, I just felt like, you know, a guy like that, you got to at least give a C-rating. But I digress. So, Tony, that is our show. Uh, another great one in the books. Thanks so much for all of your excellent insights. Thanks to BetMGM, our sponsor. And thanks to Sam Dickinson of the London Knights for joining us, our first guest of the season. And he was fantastic. He's also fantastic on the ice, so keep an eye out for him. And if you want to listen to this podcast again, if you want to see any of our other THN podcasts, go to THN.com slash podcasts. They're all there. They're all spectacular. Join us again, won't you?